Last week, Canadian bishops released a pastoral letter to young people on chastity. Coincidentally, around the same time, I was having dinner with friends and engaged in a fierce conversation about, guess what? Love, marriage, sex, and relationships. There is so much confusion and disappointment out there about sex and relationships and marriage. Young people are struggling to make sense of all of this. We are all so drawn towards relationship, yet we settle for mediocrity because no one is teaching us what beauty we can strive for. Christopher West describes it best. There is this wonderful banquet with all the most exquisite foods, and we are invited, but we are so hungry that we stay outside eating out of the dumpster. So we need to show our young people the way into the banquet hall. Archbishop Michael Miller of Vancouver, the chair of the Commission for Doctrine of the Canadian Bishops, says that he is certain that young people are striving to be faithful to the gospel and they are not afraid of a challenging and authentic love. He says that the bishops want young people to know that the church is there to help them, that this is the only love that gives true joy. So let's pray that this letter bears much fruit and that young people everywhere learn and strive for true, authentic love, the love to which God calls us. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and as always, here also is Krista Matrenko with our news headlines. Hey, Pedro. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Joan of Arc, some Joan of Arc news for you. Okay. Uh, as well, we uh, interviewed a more contemporary figure recently, yes. Christopher West, right. who many of our listeners know about. And Peter, you mentioned this chastity letter. Well, um, there's another way that that uh, that people can access this letter, which is uh, certainly an innovative approach for issuing a pastoral letter. Yeah, so nice. So I'm going to tell you about that. Good. So we'll get details on mm -hmm. those stories in a little bit. And as usual, we have our, our our usual segments, the diocesan update and our saint of the week. And we're introducing a new segment today as well. A new segment every week. Mm -hmm. um, this is one of our, our rotating segments. This is going to be, you know, Mark Matthews. Yes, he's a good friend of mine. So Mark is uh, our Hollywood missionary. And uh, you're going to see what he has to talk about. It's going to be fun. So that's coming up. And uh, this whole month in a lot of places, particularly in the States, is, uh, as you know, is, is referred to Sanctity of Life Month um, because of the, the Roe v. Wade anniversary and, uh, and, and the March, March for Life. life. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to learn about some pro-life initiatives by an Austin-based organization called Heroic Media. That's also coming up in the second half of our program. And Sarah Hart returns as our featured artist. Um, she has a new album. The Give and Keep, and that's where we begin with a song from that album. Here's Sarah Hart with Wonderfully Made. If you only knew If you could see Just for one day The way that he sees you would you take heart? Could you believe that you are free to be just you? To come out of your hiding 
Sarah Hart with Wonderfully Made from her new album, The Give and Keep. Sarah's going to be with us in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews? But first, Chris is still here with our news. Well, Pedro, I've told you before that the Pope's general audience addresses don't nearly get the attention that they deserve. No. Now, since the fall, he's been dedicating his Wednesday speeches to women saints. Well, that doesn't sound newsworthy. But he pulls them into the present context, and the women saints have a lot to say about problems in the church today. Mm-hmm. And this week, it was Joan of Arc. Okay. The French mystic tried to broker peace between the English and the French, then fought for her city, and she was captured by her enemies. I think a lot of people know the story. Mm-hmm. She was put on an ecclesiastical trial, a church, a church trial, 
presided by two judges, and one of them was a bishop. And pulling the strings were a group of theologians who were opposed to Joan politically. She died at the stake holding a crucifix in her hands. Hmm. Now the Pope said that this trial was a dark page in the history of sanctity, but also a shining page in the mystery of the Church, which is at the same time holy and always in need of being purified. Now that description, the Church being holy and always in need of being purified, this is the same way the Pope has described the sex abuse crisis throughout uh, 2010. And so we see some parallels there. And, and the Pope asks, how did the bishop and judges get it so wrong about Joan of Arc? Well, he says they lacked the charity and humility to see the work of God in this young girl. That evokes the words of Jesus, who said the mysteries of God would be hidden from the wise and intelligent. And the Pope says, thus Joan's judges were radically incapable of understanding her or seeing the beauty of her soul. Wow. Now, the Pope also concluded by saying she's an example of sanctity for politicians today, especially those who are dealing with difficult situations, like the very difficult situation that she had to deal with. Right. Now, turning to something more contemporary, the sexual revolution swept through Western culture in the 1960s. Everyone knows this. But it also left many disillusioned in its wake. And among them is author and speaker Christopher West from the Theology of the Body Institute. The Archdiocese of Montreal invited him to speak at a conference last weekend, and we caught up with him and uh, asked him if he thought Canada was ready for a new sexual revolution based on John Paul II's Theology of the Body. I think there is. I think it's in seed form. The seeds have gone into some soil but there is a revolution of hearts that is taking place. I often use this image of the hunger we have for love, and I compare it to our hunger for food. And our culture offers us what you could say is a fast food diet, a, a quick fix, an immediate fix for the hunger. And you can only eat that fast food for so long before you say, there's got to be something more, there's got to be something better. This is the story of my own life. I gorged on this fast food myself. It didn't lead me to happiness. It led me to real sickness. John Paul II's theology of the body for me was like discovering a banquet. That was Christopher West, popular author and speaker from the Theology of the Body Institute, uh, who recently visited Montreal for a conference. Now, if Canadian culture is going to change as Christopher West hopes, young people must live the call to chastity. And Canada's bishops have issued a new message on that topic. It's called Living Chastity Today. Pedro, you mentioned that yes. earlier. Now, you'd all be forgiven for thinking, well, how many young people are sitting around reading pastoral letters? You don't see them not doing many. it at the mall, you know. It's not something they do very much of. So taking a new approach, the message is also being released as a video produced by Salt and Light and presented by young people. Mm -hmm. And the bishops point to four saintly role models, Blessed Kateri Tikakwitha, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frisati, St. Gianna Bretta Mola, and St. Augustine. That's an interesting mm -hmm. addition. Yes. Um, given his history. And you'll find a link to the video and the text of the letter on the Salt and Light blog. That's saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And this is an excellent resource for Catholic teachers, parents, and youth ministry leaders. 
and especially because it's, it's young people who are presenting the message. And I happen to know a lot of them who are in the video, uh, friends of mine. Yes. And so they're, they're speaking from a place of conviction. It is, and it's, it, it actually really feels like it's they're really speaking. And in fact, I received a message uh, earlier this week from the chaplain at the University of Windsor already uh, with plans on how to use the letter with his students. He had an event planned and everything already. So it's, uh, it's being watched. It's a fantastic resource. Well, thank you very much, Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Remember, our email is radio at saltandlighttv.org. In about 10 minutes, we have an update from Prince Edward Island. So stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Sirius 159 and XM 117. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up is Mary Rose with our diocesan update. But before that, our Saint of the Week with Lawrence. Okay, Pedro. So, um, exciting. Yes. On Monday, January 31st is Don Bosco. So we had... Uh, St. Francis de Sales last week, now it's Don Bosco's turn. Yes, yeah, so and he's definitely on one of my favorites. Uh, I remember watching a movie about him uh, recently, and that's kind of where I learned learned about him. I didn't know hmm. anything about him before that. So he's um, most people would know him as the founder of the Salesians. Yeah, and so he was born in 1815 in northern Italy, farming family. Uh, his dad died when he was two, and so he had to like help support the family. Um, and uh, when he was a boy, he had. He had many dreams. One of them, um, he was surrounded by a mob um, of fighting and swearing children, and he was trying to like calm them down. And first, he was trying to calm down with arguments, and then he started hitting them. And then there was this mysterious woman that appears, and she says to him, softly, softly, if you wish to win them, take your shepherd's staff and lead them to pasture. Hmm. So he um, he saw that as a call to the priesthood. So at a very young age, he felt he was called to the priesthood. Right. But his older brother, Antonio, was a major obstacle because he wanted his brother to help out with the family. Anyways, his mother was always supportive. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite his older brother. And she left him, uh, let him leave at 12 years old um, to go to school and uh, enter the seminary. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't have any money, so he had to work. He didn't even, he wasn't able to go to school for a few years. And then finally, uh, a few years later, when he was 15, he met an elderly priest who helped him out to go to school, and he entered the seminary when he was 16. Right. Now, the, uh, when, when he was a, in his, um, uh, early in his priesthood, he started gathering these young boys around, around him, and on Sundays when he had time off, he would teach them, and, you know, like, they would all play together and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so he, he would move around from place to place, um, trying to find somewhere where they could all gather, but there was a lot of opposition from um, the officials at the time, because um, these a lot of these boys were known as delinquents. Mm-hmm. So like nobody was really happy. Everybody was complaining, saying they were making too much noise. Yeah. So he finally found a shed that he rented out. His mother came uh, and moved in, and together they started adopting orphans. Really. Raising these kids, he was teaching them about the faith teaching them how to read and write because they were mostly all poor. Um, and so he planned programs that combined like playing, recreation songs, study, catechesis, uh, prayer, and manual work. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, he actually had a very unique 
style of teaching kind of one, was one of the first at that time to really um, teach the way he did and really focus on like love and kindness to right. like gain the confidence and respect of the boys first. Yeah. And that was how they learned. Yeah, the shepherd staff. So he's known as yeah. a patron of, yeah. of educators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he wanted, he wanted, he didn't want his order to, or he didn't want his work to die when, when he left. So he decided to um, start like an institute mm-hmm. um, so that nothing would um, be in vain. And so he, together with some of the boys, they figured out a plan to, to have um, the Salesians and have St. Francis de Sales as their patron. Okay. And so he went to Pope Pius IX uh, in, 19, in 1858, and the Pope was very supportive. Sixteen years later, it was, there was full approval, and um, by the time he died in 1888, 14 years after getting full approval, there were already 800 Salesians. Wow. Priests and brothers. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and nowadays there's like 16,000, yeah, over 16,000 all over the world. Yeah. Um, he's good. He's very well known in Latin America. I grew up with Salesians yeah. everywhere. They do a lot of great work with schools and, and, yeah. and youth ministry. And uh, January 31st is also an important date because yeah. it's my birthday. Ah, so growing go. up, everybody always thought that I should be called Bosco. Yeah. So that's how I got to know Don Bosco. So it's a great, uh, great saint. Uh, anybody out there in youth ministry or teachers, Don Bosco. Yeah. Thank you, Lawrence. Right. Um, so that's January 31st, Feast of St. Don Bosco. And Lawrence Fluco is our saint expert. Lawrence is going to be back in about uh, 10 minutes with our TV programming highlights. So don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Eric Jennison. and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. You can download our podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and also on iTunes. And now, our diocesan update with Mary Rose. <laughs> Thank you, Pedro. So what if everyone in an archdiocese got together to sing? Then you would have the event taking place in the Archdiocese of Edmonton everyone. on Sunday, February 6th. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. From 2.30 to 4 p.m. On that day, there will be beautiful hymn singing led by parish choirs, instrumentalists, and cantors from the Archdiocese at St. Joseph's Basilica in Edmonton. For more info, check the Archdiocesan website if nice. you can sing. On Sunday, February 6th, join religious sisters, priests, and brothers of the Calgary Diocese in celebrating consecrated life at the 12.30 p.m. Mass at St. Patrick's Church. The Calgary Diocesan website has more info on that. And finally, join young adults for a winter ice skate combined with prayer. The Archdiocese of Toronto's Faith Connections Ministry invites you for this event on Saturday, February 5th at the Colonel Sam Smith Skating Trail in Toronto at 1.30 p.m. For more information, go to faithconnections.ca. And finally, let's turn, actually, I said that was finally for the three events. Yes. But for our interview today, let's turn to the Maritimes for a moment and hear from Father Chris Sharon, the Associate Pastor of St. Pius X Parish in the Diocese of Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. He's only 26, newly ordained priest, the youngest priest in the diocese. I had a chance to chat with him a few days ago. So, Father Chris, you were ordained in May of last year, so it hasn't even been a year yet, and as the youngest priest, you are 26 years old. What do you think is your mission in the diocese? Well, I think uh, my mission in the diocese, like most priests in our diocese, is just to bring the gospel of Christ to our world in a language that people understand, without at the same time losing the beauty and truth that we're all longing for. 
and that the gospel offers us. Now, how do you uh, live this out in working on the website of the diocese? Because I understand that you helped the diocese set up a new website. Yes. So how did you get pulled into that and uh, your hopes for this website and how you feel you're living out this mission you're talking about? All right. Uh, well, I got involved with that. Actually, it was the day after my ordination. At my ordination dinner, the bishop found out that I had done some computer programming as a hobby before becoming a priest, and he thought that I would be great to redesign the website. So on the website, in order to bring the gospel to Christ, of Christ to the world, especially to our diocese, we're trying to make sure that, most especially, we're trying to make sure that the different lay groups active in our diocese get a place, a prominent place on the website, so that people in the diocese know what's going on as well. Of course, an events calendar where they can connect with other people in the diocese, Twitter feeds, news. The news section was a big thing for our bishop. He wanted to make sure that people knew what was going on in the diocese, but also were able to keep in touch with what's going on in the Church of Canada and in the Church all around the world, especially with what the Holy Father is doing in Rome. Mm -hmm. That sounds great, Father Chris. All the best for that. Thank you. So that was Father Chris Sharon, Associate Pastor of St. Pius X Parish in the Diocese of Charlottetown, PEI. Check out the website he helped put together at dioceseofcharlottetown.com. Well, thank you very much. Always great to hear news from the Maritimes. Uh, Mary Rose, our diocesan expert. Um, remember to let us know what's happening in your diocese. Send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up is Mark Matthews with What's Good About Hollywood. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook, and you can also find us on Twitter. And some of you may be wondering what good can be found in Hollywood. Here to talk about the film and television industries from a Catholic perspective is Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hi, thank you. Welcome. This is your new segment, Mark. You you work and you live within the Hollywood movie industry, and you're passionate you're passionate about your Catholic faith as well. So, how did those two come together? Well, for me, uh, I've been involved in various Catholic ministries and missions and things like that through the years, but I've also very much loved the visual arts. I'm sort of a, a kind of a mathematical, algorithmic sort of geek, and. Uh, it, Kind of, I felt like it was no surprise for me, you know, when I felt like God was calling me to, you know, Hollywood a few years ago, and uh, I currently work and develop programs for doing visual effects. Okay, so you work in the movie industry, and you practice your faith. Uh, at night, you go undercover as a, as a Hollywood <laughs> missionary. Right. Um, why? By day, I'm a mild-mannered, you know, visual effects programmer, and by night, I'm a Catholic missionary. Yeah. Why, why should we care even about film and television? Well, I would argue that film and television are arguably one of the most influential uh, forces on our modern culture. Uh, what is produced here in Hollywood is consumed around the world, you know, both film and, you know, sitcoms. And I think that it has the ability to sweeten or sour uh, those cultures that consume it. Um, I think Christians fall into one of two errors oftentimes in regards to Hollywood. Um, either they completely vilify the medium, thinking mm -hmm. that it's inherently evil, and essentially believing that there's no hope for 
Hollywood, and that's not really a Christian idea. Or they go to the other extreme, and they wholeheartedly embrace everything that the film and television industry offers without any discretion or thought, uh, really taking in the same uh, you know, media that non-Christians do. Right. So? So you kind of go one, to one of these two extremes. And, and, and first of all, I guess, the first I was going to ask you, so what, how do we solve that? But then I thought, well, maybe is that really a problem? I mean... Um, I, I, I think it is. I think it is because I think inherently... The, when you when you vilify the medium, you're essentially saying that you know what this art form is inherently wrong and evil, and there's nothing good that can ever come out of it. And I, I think the correct, I think the Catholic viewpoint is that look, this is an art form just like anything else. You know, mm-hmm. it's like painting, like sculpture, like music, um, and like any art form, um, you can use it to communicate, you know, base disgusting ideas, or you can use it to communicate, you know, really, you know, beautiful ideas. Right. Um, so, yeah. so what's the solution then? Is it like a middle ground that we're looking for here? Um, I'd say it's yeah, kind of like a middle. Essentially, it's a middle ground to say, hey, look, you know, this this is a good art form. You know, we can use this for good. Um, you know, it, and and we're we're called to have some discretion and thought about you know what we consume. But then also, we as Christians, you know, it says, hey, we can embrace this art form, uh, and we can produce good and beautiful things. And is that a way to evangelize? Is that how you see it, or absolutely yes? Um, you know, and I, I, I'd say absolutely. It's our God is ultimately the author of all beauty, so it's our job as Christians to create beautiful things. Mm. And even just by the fact of us being Christians, um, you know, and you know, doing very good work creating beautiful things, we will be, you know, essentially spreading, you know, the aroma of Christ around the world. So. So in, in a sense, I'm kind of saying we need to infiltrate the media. You know, we need to embrace it. Uh, and through that, you know, we will essentially spread Christ's presence around the world. Right. So not just embrace it by as viewers, as consumers, but embrace it, like you said, uh, infiltrated, become writers, become directors, become producers. Exactly, as producers. I, you know, I, I'm living in Hollywood, so that's sort of the angle that I, I take it is, you know, is, you know, it's our job to kind of, you know, infiltrate it. Um, you know, and we need to have Christians here, you know, Christians need to be very discerning about what they view and watch, you know, you're voting with your dollars. Um, but, you know, we also need to be here, like, you know, and like you said, writing, acting, directing, you know, producing, doing all these things. Okay, great. So that's our first installment, I guess, just to set it up so that people know why we're spending even time doing this. Um, lots of good things happening in Hollywood. And uh, every three weeks or so, Mark, you're going to join us. And we're going to talk yeah, about uh, some more things about film, about what's happening with uh, personalities, maybe, and what you're doing as in your undercover missionary uh, role. I'll, I'll, I'll be your Catholic TMZ. Excellent. Thank you very much. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Mark Matthews is our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. I am Andy Carey, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our blog is saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro, and back with me now is Lawrence with our programming update. Hi, Pedro. Okay, so Sunday, tomorrow, January 30th, we have um, Youth uh, youth Hour in honor of Don Bosco. So his feast day is on Monday, yes. the 31st. So Sunday, we at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific, we have a rebroadcast of a visit that his relics did to St. Benedict's Parish in Etobicoke, Ontario, yeah. on the 5th of October. And so that's a holy hour with youth from around the diocese. 
Excellent. So uh, if anybody really wants to celebrate with Don Bosco the eve of his feast day, they yeah. can tune in and uh, for the relics and the holy hour. Great. All right. We have Vespers, live Vespers with Pope Benedict on the Feast of the Presentation, which is Wednesday, February 2nd at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. That's live. It repeats uh, same day, 8 p.m. Eastern and midnight. That's 5 and 9 Pacific. So the Feast of the Presentation, this is when officially, some people will argue that that's the, officially the end of the Christmas season. Right. Which is why the Nativity at St. Peter's Square is still up until the Feast exactly. of the Presentation. Yeah. So uh, I was going to leave my Christmas decorations up, but my wife didn't let me. <laughs> so the Feast of the Presentation with the Holy Father on uh, Wednesday night? Wednesday, S- 11 a.m. Eastern live. And then the repeat will be Eight at prime time. Yeah. Uh, my mission... Um, our do- series of documentaries um, from the Slovak uh, missions around the oh, world. Yeah. We're going to air another one Saturday, February 5th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And this one is about the AIDS epidemic. Excellent. So that's uh, my mission. Angels? Angels is the title. Is the title. And that's Saturday, February 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific from Lux Television in uh, Slovakia. They do great work. So uh, that should be a, a very good program. Thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence Foucault. Um, a reminder to our viewers that if you are outside our TV broadcasting area, no worries. You can watch all our programs streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. And coming up in the second half hour, Heroic Media uses social networking to campaign for life. That's coming right up. Last weekend, mobile billboards and Crowd ambassadors encouraged hundreds of thousands of pro-life march participants at the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco to text opinions about abortion as part of a new nationwide poll. Now, this same strategy was used again on Monday at the March for Life 2011 in Washington, D.C. Behind this initiative was Heroic Media. They are a faith-based, life-affirming organization in the United States. And to tell us more about it, we're joined by Kimberly Spears. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Kim. Thank you so much, Pedro. We appreciate it. So, Heroic Media, just give me the, the, the brief overview. Who, uh, overview. Who are you? What do you do? Why you do it? Heroic Media is a faith-based nonprofit that places mass media advertisements to help women who are facing crisis pregnancies find hopeful alternatives. We found that most young women... Um, at least in America, and from what I understand in Canada, they usually know where the nearest abortion facility is. We just want to make sure that they know where all the positive alternatives are. So it's very specific, uh, aimed at, at women who are pregnant? or Correct. Our, our messages, our advertisements are research-based, and they focus on women 18 to 34, since they have 80% of the abortions. Okay, and why heroic? Actually, that's a, that's a neat uh, story, a neat explanation, is because we celebrate the heroism of motherhood, and we use media to reach out to those women. And as an adoptive mom myself, um, I know that my birth mom is, is a true hero to me, and, and all moms really are heroes for the, the great sacrifices that they make for their children. Does that come out of the idea that maybe some uh, pro-abortion-minded people will say, oh, you can't handle this pregnancy, it's too hard? So have an abortion, whereas we're, you're telling women, we're telling women, too, that, no, you can do it because you're a, you're a hero. You can have this pregnancy. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. We, we try to stay as positive and hopeful and upbeat as we can. And when people say, you're too young, you're not capable, you've got all these issues, we're trying to say, 
you are capable. You are an amazing child of God, and you've got all these wonderful gifts and opportunities, and you are capable of loving this child and providing him or her with the best life that you can. So, so tell me what uh, your strategy was for the, uh, for the two marches on, in, in San Francisco and in Washington. What was different about this your is- approach? This is the first time that we do anything like this, and so we're really excited about it. We are trying to involve people in the whole pro-life conversation to kind of build a pro-life community. And so we had, um, let's see, there were seven um, banners, and, and as you mentioned, they were mobile billboards and crowd ambassadors. They had this on their shirts, okay. and they were asking folks to text certain messages just to get people's opinions on different issues. So, and who are they texting? Um, they are texting, well, basically, ultimately, it's going to be coming to Heroic Media so that we can see um, what their comments are. Um, some, of the, some of them focus on mainstream media might be focusing on the abortion issue, but are they looking at it in a way that promotes a culture of life, or are they instead promoting a culture of abortion? Um, which do you think? You know, and then you text certain words to certain numbers so that we can keep track of what your vote is, what you think is happening regarding okay. the different issues. So, so they were answering to specific questions. Right. For example, one of them says uh, the majority of Planned Parenthood's abortion clinics are located in what neighborhoods? Text mm. black or Hispanic to and then 82257. And the reason that we're doing that is because um, 70 to 80 percent of the abortion facilities, at least in the United States, are specifically focused in minority neighborhoods. Right. And they're having an overwhelming majority of the abortions, which is really, really sad. And so we're trying to reach out to those communities. So it's an interesting way to let people know that uh, abortions might be targeted to those specific communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, I yeah. see. Now, it might be too early f- to know any of the results of the poll, but is that information that's going to be coming out anytime soon? Well, it'll probably be a couple months. We're still collecting data because a number of folks are still going to the website. I encourage your listeners, if they have the opportunity, to go to the website and, and vote um, and, and text whatever they think um, should be done. And um, we're going to be collecting that. It'll probably be a couple months, but as soon as we have the poll results, we will certainly let you know. Good, for sure. Yeah, do let me know, and we'll uh, let people know what the results are. Um, uh, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. We're speaking with Kim Spears of Heroic Media. Um, in the United States, uh, you are, is it fair to say that you're mainly an advertising agency? Is That's that... probably the easiest way to explain what we do. Um, is it, We are kind of like an advertising agency for the pro-life community, but ultimately we have two goals. Our first goal is to connect women who are facing unexpected pregnancies with hopeful alternatives. Uh-huh. And our second goal is to create, as John Paul II called it, a culture of life. Um, it's, it's, think about it. Life is the most precious gift that we have from God. And what, what's wrong or what could be bad about creating a culture that celebrates that? So we're trying to really focus on, on the positives. So you run uh, uh, billboards, uh, television ad- ads, that sort of thing, posters, magazine ads, everything? Right. Each, each market is a little bit different depending on what is, is going to be the most effective in that particular market. But, but overall, there's three main types of, of uh, media that we use. The first one is going to be television, and that's where we get the best results yes. is, is through television commercials. And then we use outdoor, whether it's billboards or bus signs or anything like that. Um, we'll use those. And then the third one is Internet, um, because a lot, of, a lot of young people, that's the first place they turn for information. And you pay, uh, well, somebody pays for the, for the advertising, obviously. Where do you get your funding? Well, 
yeah, we are a nonprofit, and so that's that's something that we're always looking we're always looking for is hey, can you help support us in this effort? Mass media is extremely effective. You know this. You work in media in creating um, a culture around a particular issue. But if you're going to reach your target audience and do it effectively with frequency and reach, it costs a lot of money. Yes. And so, so our campaigns, especially in bigger markets like Chicago or, or Miami or Dallas or Houston, those are some pretty big markets. Um, and we need to generate roughly a million dollars a year in those markets in order to effectively reach these young women. So then, in, in, in essence, you are raising the money to support pro-life organizations who might not have the resources to run their own ads so that you can support right. them in spreading the word. And so how does it work? Let's say, let's say, is there like a generic 1-800 number that works for across the state and could maybe even work in Canada? Or do you have specific, can the campaigns I believe be... That, I believe that it does work in Canada, but the, the main number, and there's a bunch of them, the main one is 1-800-395-H-E-L-P, okay. which would be 4357. Yeah. Okay, and that's a number that anyone can call, and doesn't matter where they are, and they will be put in touch with the local, I guess, uh, pro-life local pregnancy, center. pregnancy center in their area. Um, right. So it, uh, maybe maybe it's it's if people are interested in watching some of your commercials or even some of the billboards. Maybe they they want to they have a website and they want to put one of the banners on their website. They can go to your website heroicmedia.org, and you have samples there of the commercials and everything available there, right? We really do, and, and we strongly encourage folks to go and check them out and share their opinions. Um, I, I personally love them um, from a communications perspective and, of course, from a pro-life perspective. But yeah. we need to remember that these messages are not targeted towards pro-lifers. They're targeted towards young women who might be considering abortion. Okay. Um, and that's what I think really makes them great. Okay, so that's very specific. Now, you've, um, I know that you're based in, in Austin, but you've talked about campaigns in Chicago or Dallas, Miami. Um, do, have you had the uh, the luxury, I guess, of knowing what results are in, in a place where you run a campaign to see results in terms of of numbers of abortions dropping or any changes? Well, the only market that we have been in for a long period of time is Austin. We opened our doors in Austin in two thousand and four, and we have been um, we've been tracking the abortion ratio since then. And this is what's really exciting. Austin is probably one of the most abortion-friendly markets in the southwest United States. Really? And the abortion ratio here has dropped more than 20% since wow. we opened our doors. And we are so thankful to God for that. So it's just letting, giving people another option, really. Exactly. Yeah, nice. Um, Kim, I think that's all the time we have. But uh, uh, thank you for what you do. I, being in media... I, I, I completely agree with how important it is to, to reach the masses um, and to do it in a way. And it's just too bad that it's so expensive. We need to do something about that. Make uh, yeah. TV advertising not so expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But again, uh, if I can reiterate to our listeners, go to, your web, to the website heroicmedia.org. Um, commercials are there. You can watch them, see if maybe if you need something special for your own community or your own market, uh, the, the commercials can be customized or maybe you can come up with a special campaign to suit something. And and uh, and because you're there, Kim, to help the pro-life community, the, right. pri- uh, the crisis pregnancy centers. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. God bless. You too. So again, Kim Spears uh, works for Heroic Media. They are a uh, 
pro-life, life-affirming, faith-based organization uh, based in Austin. Uh, For more information, again, their website, heroicmedia.org. And uh, you can also uh, go and uh, participate in that online poll at the same website, heroicmedia.org. Here now is Sarah Hart with her Grammy-nominated song from her new album, The Give and Keep, Better Than a Hallelujah. That was Sarah Hart with Better Than a Hallelujah. Last we spoke to Sarah Hart, she told us about her song, which had been recorded by Amy Grant. Well, this song, Better Than a Hallelujah, is now nominated for a Grammy in the Best Gospel Song category. 
And the version we just heard, sung by Sarah Hart, is one of the tracks in the latest album, The Give and Keep. So lots going on for Sarah, so we're happy to have her back as our featured artist of the week. Sarah, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's always so good to hear your voice. You doing well? I'm doing well, thank you very much, but I'm the one that asks, asks questions, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. Busy, busy time for you, eh? You've been running around uh, the last couple of weeks. Goodness, it's been very crazy. I could go into it, but I won't, so very so, crazy. So this new album, The Give and Keep, wh- where does that title come from? You know, I think um, I think that lately in my life, the theme for me has been about wanting to be a better giver, a more giving person. Um, I read this great, uh, I've been reading this great book, of course, again, um, yeah. C.S. Lewis's book, um, The Four Loves. Yeah. And uh, I was reading this whole beautiful chapter about God being the great giver, and it really convicted me to start thinking about my life in terms of wanting to give like God gave and does continue to give, um, from, you know, from Him sending His Son to earth to dying on a cross for us, to rising again, to leading the way for us into the kingdom, you know, that God is constantly a giver yeah. of good and beautiful gifts. And so I think that he has um, created us to be the same. We don't always get that. So that's kind of where the songs came from, just my desire to want to be a better a person who gives more, a person who reaches more, and learns in the giving um, how to keep what's important about life, not the stuff, not the tangible, but the things that we can't always touch and hold and feel, but that are nonetheless the most important things in life. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you. That I understand the giving part, but I wasn't quite sure what the keeping part. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that when you give, you know, it's true, what, what you give away comes back to you in miraculous ways, and um, usually in very intangible but meaningful ways, and so I think that's the key part, is right. that we learn from giving what is truly important enough for us to keep what we want to take with us when we go, right. you know, what we want to leave in this world when we go. Right. Now, the Spirit and Song website, the Spirit and Song that they carry your products, they, uh, uh, it's, it says that this album is great for women's retreats or to help men understand the women in their lives <laughs> better. And I, I was wow. listening to the No, but I was listening to the music, and, and I had no, I mean, I would have never thought of that. So, so that it, is, that it, it was specifically a women's project, you mean? Yeah, is it? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> it's definitely not specifically a women's project. And there are a couple of songs that I wrote that sort of have a women's leaning, but the rest really no. I mean, you know, my music's really for everybody. Okay. And I'm always surprised by the songs that I think in my mind. I'm writing this for women or for a woman's issue, and then it's usually men who tell me how much it's meant to them. So, right. Um, yeah, that's always a misnomer. Okay, so, so, so the song, and it's the first song we played on the show, Wonderfully Made, that one yeah. is specific, maybe th- for young women, would you say, or or also for anyone? Yes. Well, I wrote that song um, actually after a very, very interesting youth retreat that I did, where I talked on um, purity and chastity, and um, and I gave my hour long, you know, presentation, my little keynote, and thought that I did such a great job. This has been years ago, you know, and I was really young, and I thought it went well and did a great job, and. Afterwards, I had one young girl who came up to me and was just sobbing and weeping and saying, you know, it's too late for me, and hmm. um, I, have, I have lost my purity, and I can't get it back, and, and what do I do? You know, and I was so devastated because I immediately thought, you know, this is an issue that we face. This is a problem that we run into. You know, we're, we, cannot, um, we cannot continue to just be so hard about this issue. We have to find what the issue is about. And 
So now for me in my own ministry, instead of talking about purity and chastity and celibacy, which are important things to talk about, but I personally don't feel as comfortable talking about that as I do in talking about self-esteem. Right. Because I believe that that choice and every single choice that is not a good choice that you will make in your life, and the, the things that are good choices that you make in your life, results from how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you really believe that God created you to be an amazing person? Do you really believe that He has a future and a hope for you? Do you really know how you are fearfully and wonderfully made by Him? Yeah. And I think that it, it just got to me so much, this young girl looking me in the face and telling me this, that I decided I have to switch the way I approach this subject. And so now I approach it from saying, you hug yourself, you kiss that mirror, you learn to love yourself, and all of your life decisions will stem from that. You have to believe how wonderfully made you really are. Yeah, and you know what? There isn't a definition of chastity that has to do with being who God has designed you to be. Mm-hmm. So, and I love that 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 idea. Yeah. Um, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time: you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart. She has a new album. It's called "The Give and Keep." Um, better than Hallelujah. Let, let's talk about that. So, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. It's very weird and very exciting. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So Grammy, yeah. February thirteenth. Yeah, February thirteenth. I'm. Yeah, I'm joking that I hope I don't have to sit next to anyone wearing uncooked meat. As long as I can do yes. that, I'll have a good time. That usually, yeah, I know. We'll be watching. <laughs> Lady Gaga in a meat dress for me, but thanks. Anyway. That'll be fun. So better than a hallelujah. People that, I mean, we just heard the song, um, and maybe people have heard the, the, the version that, that Amy Grant recorded. But where yeah. does that song come from? Because you also wrote that one a while back, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's about maybe a year old, year, yeah, a year and a few months old. Um, and it's just a kind of a, a strange set of circumstances that she heard the song, but when she heard it, she loved it and recorded it. And um, I'm very, very grateful. And I actually just yesterday got to finally meet her and spend a little time with her. Right. She's such an amazing human being, and I was so blessed to get to have a chance to spend some time with her. But I think, you know, the song did for her what it, what it I think, and perfectly and hopefully has done for a lot of people. Yes. Which is really met them where they are and really been the kind of song that says it's okay to be sad it's okay to bring god your brokenness and your tears he loves you for that he loves you through that and there's nothing you have done or could do in your life that will separate you from the love of god in christ jesus and that's good news you know it's good news that we can bring god our tears it's so true it's so true and sometimes that's better and i think for me that's what the song is sometimes that's better yeah. than this other pious stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but well, some, you but, know, it's who you I are, it's authentic. Think, yeah, I think that's it, the word authentic. You know, when you're, when you're bringing your broken heart to God in complete honesty, um, I, I really believe that that is more beautiful to Him. You know, there's, there is even Scripture to back it up, parable of the lost sheep. Yeah. God says that makes Him more joyful than anything else. Yeah. Is when one lost sheep comes back home. And, and so there's really good news to be had in that, in that scripture and in that thought. It is. No, it's a great song. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm sure it's going to do well, but I'm not going <laughs> to <laughs> issue any predictions. Um, so we're going to end the, the program and the interview with Love Will Leave. Do you want to say a few things about that song, Love Will Leave? Yes, I would love to. Um, you know, and, and the timing on this is really amazing because uh, my grandfather passed away a week ago today. Wow. And um, he was like a father to me. I never 
uh, had my real father in my life. So my I lived with my grandparents and my mother as a child. Mm-hmm. And so he was always like more, more my father than anything else. We were very close. And, you know, he and my grandmother both, I, I always say this about them, left this incredible legacy of love. They just left love in their wake anywhere they went. And they were amazing people, and I don't really know very many people like it, like them, quite honestly. But um, but they were just such good-hearted and loving people. And that song really is about that image of you know we we in this life may not agree on everything. Our theologies may not match. Our opinions may not match. Our politics may not match. And you know what? It does not matter a hell of being because what matters is that we learn to love. And that's what Christ came to teach us. You know, Christ didn't really care about people's histories or where they came from or how they walked. What he cared about was them. And he loved them. And when we go, when it's our time to leave this planet, you know, much like my grandfather, I mean, there was a man left wanting nothing of the knowledge of how much he was loved because he knew. And he did not have any regrets. He didn't have anything to say to anybody because everybody knew how much he loved him. What a way to go, you know? And, yes. and I think Christ is very much the same way. You know, he left and and everybody around him knew how he loved. And I think that's what I want when I go is just to make sure that I leave love as the legacy and nothing else, you know? And because I doubt I'll have any money anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but really, love is the great legacy of our lives, and it's what God calls us to. And that's nice. really what the song is about. Yeah, nice. What was your grandfather's name? His name was Alex. Alex, Alex. Hart. Alex Hart. So we should uh, we should leave everybody with, with that song, and we'll dedicate it to Alex Hart, your grandfather. Oh, thank um, you, <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Cry. No. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, it's thank been great you. chatting with you. Uh, maybe come Grammy time, we'll have another chance to, to talk again. Um, that would be beautiful. People can download, they can purchase the album at your website, sarahartmusic.com. They can also download it from iTunes. Yes. Um, uh, but certainly go visit sarahartmusic.com. Sarah Hart, our featured artist of the week. Here she is with her song, Love Will Leave, dedicated to her grandfather, Alex Hart, from her new album, The Give and Keep.
We're listening to Sarah Hart with Love Will Leave from her new album, The Give and Keep. And that will bring us to the end of the program this week. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation at saltandlighttv.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for keeping us in your prayers and for considering our ministry when you're making your charitable contributions. We rely on donations to do our work, and so your support is deeply appreciated. Thank you, and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. If it's a